Okay, and this is Drive Time. It's the podcast where I drive to or from work and we talk about some random stuff. But today is December the 2nd, 2021, and I am actually not driving to or from work today. I'm driving. I just dropped off my children at the, at the school. So I will be, you know, I'll be coasting at 65 miles an hour on the highway for a little bit of time. So I figured, hey, this is a good, this is a good, uh, this is a good spot. Just, let's go ahead and vibe a little bit, talk about some of the stuff that we are uh, experiencing. So we had uh, a friend of ours, me and Lynette, uh, a friend of ours' father died not too long ago, and we had gone to the funeral uh, yesterday. We knew the gentleman sparse, you know, very, very lightly. We didn't know, uh, we didn't know her father all too well as far as like what's the things that made him tick, what are the things that he liked. Uh, A lot of questions actually came up rather than answers and I guess that for someone who doesn't know an individual, we're kind of the outsiders. We've gone through a lot of funerals uh, this year. You know, my uncle Bougie, uh, my grandpa, on my, my in-laws, essentially my wife's grandfather on her father's side had passed, and um, you know that's one of the that's one of the ones that I was a pallbearer at that happened earlier this year. And, uh, grandpa was a was a very kind soul. He's a simple man. He likes simple things. He, he understood, you know, he wasn't a simple man. He was smart, but at the same time, he was a guy who was just, just quaint. He was just a guy who was just respectable, nice old man. He cared about his grandkids. He cared about uh, his great grandchildren. I'm not going to eulogize him. I think I've done that before already this year. One of the things that I guess have trouble with when it comes to death and dying is you get caught up in the, in the idea of your death. You start thinking like actively right now, if you were starting to get kind of uh, the onsets of a panic attack, you would start thinking, oh man, I'm going to die. One of these days, my heart won't beat anymore. Right. Um, <laughs> to quote the Foo Fighters and their song these days, one of these days, ground will drop right in front underneath your feet. Um, one of these days your heart will stop and play its final beat. Um, but it's alright because it's alright. I guess it's the fear of knowing that this is going to end is the thing that gets people shaken up. They they hit their own mortality and, and they feel like it's like right now, as a 33-year-old man, I feel like, oh, that's for 70-year-old people. That's 40 years away. But I've been here for 37. I mean, sorry, I've been here for 33. And that's only 7 years away for 40. So I'm almost to, if I live to be 80, you know, if I live to be 80, that's, I'm almost halfway. If I only live to be 70, that's 2 years away from the midpoint of my life. That's a little scary. That's a little terrifying. Because when you really look at it, we don't have much time. 
in any capacity in which you look at it, we don't have much time. I mean, my two boys, my two my two girls, they're starting their path, they're starting their life, and nobody knows the midpoint. I might live to be 90, and my midpoint is, what, 45? Ha! I'm nowhere near my midpoint. If I die at 60, I'm already past my midpoint. If I die next week, my midpoint went way the fuck back when I was in middle school. And it's sad to think like that because truly, I don't know. I, I don't know when my last day will be. So I can't go back and say, well, midway of that was you know, January of, uh, of 26, you know, uh, 2020, you know, or 20, you know, 2007. That's, hey, right after, right after you got out of high school, guess what? That was your midpoint scary to think that, because then it's like, well, you only have four years left then. You only got three years left. Those are the things that most people think about. They, those ideas rush through their head. They start doing the math. They start feeling like, what am I going to be like at 70? What am I going to be like at 60? What am I going to be like at 90? You know, will I live to be 100? Probably not. Statistically, it's not fair. Um, but it could. You know, hey, I could. And then you start thinking, well, if I'm going to get to 70... I'm going to need to change my insert what you have to change. Change my eating habits. I need to change my, my lifestyle. I need to I need to not kill myself with all the hours I'm working because I'm going to kill myself, you know. Um, you know, I need to wear exercise more because I'm 300 pounds or I'm, you know, or maybe I need to eat more and pack on weight because my frail body won't make a, a COVID Delta Alpha Sigma Pi or whatever the fuck they've got going on with COVID now. By the way, I think it's an Omnicron. <laughs> Omnicron, Delta, uh, COVID Omnicron. Like, it's the fucking worst Decepticon ever. But anyway, right? There's there's all kinds of stuff. There's cancer around the road. There's there's leukemia. There's heart attacks. There's um, torn muscles and broken arms and car accidents and all kinds of shit that, that happen. And, uh... I look back on some of the things that I've survived, and I'm like, holy fuck, how, how did I get there? How did, how did that happen? But most people start thinking about the after, like the afterlife, right? The, after you, your time has passed, right? Uh, let's say you, you, you pass. People will say things like, well, uh, he wanted this to happen, or he would want this to happen, which is true. You can't take away from that. But at the same time, person's not here anymore. And I, and I, pro, I project this onto my own. Like, if I lost my parents, I would be upset. I would be emotional. You know, you would go through the, the stages of grieving like like many people do. You fall into the depression, the bargaining, you know, the, the wish. I wish I would. I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. And, you know, you, you sink into to anger. Well, fuck them anyway because they were a horrible parent and you know, yada, 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 and say, well, you know, I really wish I would have said this, and then you finally get to a point of, well, I can't change it, it's over, it's done, I can't, I can't do anything other than what's been done, and, you know, that's, that's hollowing. And then finally you come to accept it. You get to the acceptance point. I saw a lot of grief yesterday, and grief on a lot of different ways. One thing that I was very happy about was... The, the man's name was Walter. Um, Walter's friends 
from middle school, grade school, who've known him his whole life, showed up and eulogized him. And man, was that a beautiful sight. That was amazing. And I, I can't do it justice by repeating what was said and, and what was, uh, what was, what, you know, what was what was really talked about. But the focus was Walter, even though you tell stories through your own life experience. So it's like, yeah, you know, I, I we went to this dance and it was my son's wedding and uh, you know, me, 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 I. But Walter was there, and he did this and he did this and he did this. And if you know him, he did this, and because everybody thinks that way. When I tell a story, I don't tell a story like my dad did this, and then my dad did that, and then my dad did this. And I say, well, this is what was happening. You know, it was, it was, you know, my my last year of college. My dad had shown up for this, and I was doing this, and then I had this, and I had this, and then my dad shows up and does this, and it's 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 hilarious, it's wild, and it's it's exactly what you needed, or you know, it's you tell a story and then you insert the person that has meaning. I, I love the idea. I loved the eulogy because not only did you have this this brief twenty minutes of, of everybody was laughing and smiling and and really relishing the idea that this person unfortunately is no longer with us, but the time that they spent and the memories that they kept and it, it just it was that piece that everybody needed. They needed to be reminded of the good times. Um, I always cry, and, and I do, and, and it's sad because I know I'm that guy. I'm always going to cry at weddings. I'm always going to cry at, at funerals because I relive the experiences of my life, and those emotions were so strong for me that it, 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 I can't help but be emotional, right? I can't help but feel empathy and feel what that person is feeling. So, for, for example, when I watch a, a wedding, and I, I watched the guy get choked up about giving his um, vows. I got choked up giving my vows. Because up to that point, I thought about every moment that my wife made me feel amazing. And I realized that it was almost every day. There's not a day goes by that I don't laugh with my wife. My wife is my best friend. I mean, she is. I tell her everything of, of substance. I mean, I'm not, hey, you know, the other day I was going through the, the record store and I found a record. It's like, she doesn't care about that. But we share all the laughs, we share all the movies, we have all the experiences, mostly together. And then you have people like at a funeral, where you see somebody, and and, and you kind of play off of things that were, things that are, and things that have yet come to pass, to steal something from Lord of the Rings. Things that have come is this guy's life. It's over. He's lived a full life. He's had so many experiences. Things that are the, the reality that as far as this life is over. Things have yet come to pass is this going to happen to us. Right? The, the, the pastor that was, or preacher that was residing over the service had very, very very good was excited. He was also some like sorrowful, sorrowful. <laughs> um, he had a great take on it. He didn't know the person specifically either. Like he, it wasn't a 
customized eulogy. It wasn't a customized um, piece, which then again makes it seem like, well, he does this all the time. People are dying left and right. So, yeah, I mean, his eulogy game is on point. That's my personal, funny, analytical take on it. But also, doesn't make the words that he says any less poignant. doesn't make any of the words that he says any less true. It was, it was a good mix. It was a good mix of serious, somber, please remember, please stay together on this. And then also a mix of, well, you know, back in the day, he was a rebel. And this guy used to, he used to tear it up. Like, you know, I, I never saw the best friend cry. Which I'm pretty sure he did, because he's going to miss his friend. But it's just the fact that he went out and said stuff so impassionately, so much, so like like the vigor is there, so much full of vigor. He had, I think it was like 15 page notes of, of his life. Be that friend in, in somebody's life. Be that friend where you can go back, and I, you may not have started in middle school, you may not have started in preschool, but be that guy in the life that you go back and say, listen, I knew him for 15 years, I knew him for 5 years, I knew him for 10 years, and I'm, I'm not going to lie, this guy was awesome, I'm just a guy, right, I'm just a guy who, who, whatever, but I was enriched by this man's life, <laughs> one of the things my wife said, it was a, it was a cute quip, she said, you know, I, I had to come, you know, not many people see me in a bathing suit, he had joined us on a, uh, with our children, we went to, uh, we went to a spl uh, splashway or splash town or some water park, and he was there alongside us. He was great to have around too. He was, he was a solid guy, funny, like enjoyed his grandkids, loved them to a T. But just by my observation, I thought it was funny because my wife was just like, "Yeah, he's the only guy that saw me in a bathing suit, really." It's like, <laughs> it's funny because it's funny, you know. It, it's 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 funny because it is funny. So, I um, <laughs> I I enjoyed that a lot. My wife is naturally funny. She's got all the brains. She comes up with the quips. She's maybe not as quick as I am, but then she's also cleaner. And most of her jokes go over with everybody. My jokes are a little bit more cutting and a little bit more dirty. Anyway, between me, <laughs> it's gonna happen. What has come to pass, what is present, and what will be, uh, you know. And it's it goes back to the Scrooge. We're in the holiday season. Uh, Bill Murray Scrooge is probably the best portrayal of Ebenezer Scrooge that I've ever witnessed. It's the Scrooge that I think of. Like, it's it's the thing that I I go for. Like, it's my thing. I loved Ebenezer Scrooge. I, I, I love the story, but uh, but yeah, I I I fail to I fail to keep my emotions in check because you see the people who have lost, and they have so many more experiences. And I was primed because there is a wall of photos, and me being a photographer, me being a person who likes to capture moments, I have a little bit more of a special place in my heart for photography because when you really think of it out of the thousands and hundreds of thousands to some people of photos that you take it crystallizes moments in your life that you don't immediately remember but upon seeing them you remember all the context 
you remember everything that happened on, on that day. Now, the pictures of who I know is, you know, the daughter, the, my friend, you know, her and her band uniform playing a, playing a French horn <laughs> in high school, which was, for me, it was 15 years ago, but for her, it's probably a little longer, a couple years longer, but still, I mean, even me thinking, yeah, that was like 15 years ago for me. I go back and look at photos of, of me when I was in high school, me fo- taking photos of places and things that I've been. I was talking to my wife about Kentucky, talking to my wife about uh, all these different places that I've been and, and things that I've seen, and, uh, things that I've experienced. I mean, I go back and look at photos and there are some things that I don't remember, right? There's some pictures that I took when I was in Cincinnati, Ohio. I remember maybe four things of Cincinnati, Ohio. I remember the, the chair that we lifted up a guy because he sold the most out of, you know, sold the most units. And he was the guy who had, like, he was the sit-down champ, right? He was the guy who sat down all the time, yada, yada, yada. And um, sat down with most customers, whatever, made the most appointments. And in a, it was a hotel room. They were playing Cincinnati Reds games because it's the Cincinnati market. Um, it's baseball. I remember that McDonald's that I spent a little bit more time than any other McDonald's that summer. Except for the one in Campbellsville, Kentucky. I remember a bridge that may have been Tennessee. I remember this bridge that we went across. I think we were getting into Ohio. It was torn to best bridge. There's holes and there's potholes in it. That shit's gonna fall. Like, I looked at it like, what the hell? But there's not that many pieces that I remember of. Cincinnati, but I have photos that said I was there. I have photos that say, hey, you took a shower in a, uh, in essentially a water, a public water faucet. I mean, it, they have water that pushes through the bottom in the, in the public. It's like a public square. Um, like, hey, you had that. But anyway, I, I mean, I digress a lot. And half of this podcast is just me digressing into different subjects, but I, I, I don't have the memories for it, but I have the photos, and the photos kind of tell me that I was there, and the photos tell me that that was a reality, and the photos tell me that you experienced that. I looked at this photo wall of of Walter and, and his daughter and his son and, and his late wife, and and I look at all of these things, and I'm like, this is this guy's life. This is what he did. It's not all he did, but this is some of it. It's a very, very small portion of it. And I looked at that like, wow. Just wow. Just wow. We're all going to pass at some point. And the people we leave behind are the people that have to deal with it. Literally, they have to deal with the fact that this person is not lost anymore. I know there are things, well, I think that there are things coming because we actually don't know what's coming. I mean, I, I would say that I know my parents' deaths are coming. I don't know when. I don't know if I'll be around for those. 
truthfully. I mean, unfortunately, I could die in a car accident tomorrow. Um, I could perish in a accident. I could. Um, there's a lot of thousand. There's a thousand things going to happen, right? There's a show. <laughs> it's called a million ways to die or that where there's a million ways to die in the West. And then there's, you know, a million ways to die. The TV show, and they, they highlight different ways people have um, perished due to situations, whatever. Right. But um, yeah, I, I look at this as a as a crazy, crazy, crazy way of thinking. And I'm like, well, I mean, because we really don't know. Now, again, back to the main point that I was making at the beginning, like 20 minutes ago when I started talking, Jesus, uh, was that when we actually do perish and we actually do, we worry about the moment in which we die. At least I do. The moment in which we perish is, you know, do, do, do I feel the breathing stop? You know, is it fear? You know, is it, is it, is it, do, do I just pass in my sleep? I would like to just die in my sleep, to be honest. Hey, put me to sleep. Let me fade away. Let me dream my last dream. Right? And then just let it stop. Unfortunately, we don't get to pick that unless we pick that. If you know what I mean. We don't get to choose that unless we pick that for ourselves. Um, it's very rare and it's a very instance. And usually there are other things. But some people do you know, they struggle with that. They struggle with staying here. And I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to sit here and make a, a thing about suicide or, or anything like that, because I, I there's no, there's no, there's no place for me to sit here and talk about that. Um, I just, I, I fight like hell to be here because of my kids. I, I saw what happened with Walter and his daughter and, um, you know how tore up she was. I felt that emotion. I cried. I had to, and I know we don't know these, like generally when you think about it, you, you know, people for years, right? We really haven't known said individuals for very long. Truthfully, we haven't. We don't know people for that long. And it's not something where it's like, you know, why, why are you being like this? Because, you know, you don't know them. I'm like, true, we don't. But at the same time, you got to have compassion for people. You got to be. You got to be on people's sides, you know? It's a horrible way not having people close to you. It doesn't necessarily need to be your family that helps because they grew up with you. But I'm just a little, a little tore up about it. I'm a little, I'm a lot sad about it, actually. Walter was, a, again, Walter was a great guy, but I extrapolate that to everybody I've known. My grandpa, my uncles, you know, just people that have passed that have been great guys just like him. I got to meet him a very little bit of time. There's some individuals I never met. And then again, there's people like my cousin who died. My cousin was kind of a gangbanger. He was on a wrong path. Probably a drug deal that went wrong, which ended his life. I, I don't know how to feel about that because you look at somebody like Walter, who is a Marine, you know, who had a career, who had a life, who had family, who chose to do things by the book. And he got, you know, 70 plus years. Adversely, you look at 
my cousin who only had about 28, 29. I mean, it's just, it's interesting. I mean, it's interesting. I guess I am judging my cousin compared to Walter, and I'm judging Walter to be a better person. But that's my own opinion. I mean, if you ask my uncle, he would sit here and say, hey, you know, my son was a good person. He just got tied up and logged up with the wrong things, which is fair, which is 100% fair and probably what ended up happening, to be honest. But the choices you make are the choices you are. The, the, the way you, what you choose is what you are. You can't change what you've chosen after you've done it. Now you can go back and try to make amends and, and then go on a better path. That's still a choice too. Going back to the thing we talked about a couple of weeks ago about choices and changing and, and making decisions and being about your being about your business, being about the person you are. But I just I look at Walter's funeral and I, I, I weep because he was a good man with a good family. Was he perfect? God, no. And I'm pretty sure there's about 25 people right now be like, Walter, man, forget that guy. I get it. You know, they've, you don't go through your life without wronging or slighting people in some way, but it's just, if you can respect the individual as an individual, you can respect the person that they are. I don't think you'll have any problem feeling like we may have disagreed, but I do not wish him to be gone. I think most people say that, Hey, listen, I don't like you, but I don't want you dead. Right. There are a rare amount of people that would do that. Going back to when you, when you pass, when you perish, it's, it's tough because I, I think about my kids, how old they're going to be when I die, what, what their lives are going to be. If they're married, if they have children, do I know my grandchildren, you know, would I still make the same mistakes I'm making currently with my kids that I'm trying to correct? How much love is there? You know, how much, how much emotion, how much, how much bonding is there? Like if I died today, if I died tomorrow, it's like. You know, Abigail's two. No, Abigail's not even two. Rachel's two. She's about to be three. It's like the things you miss are the things that you get choked up on, right? Like you're going to miss the hugs. You're going to miss those things. But then again, you really won't be there to notice that you miss those. <laughs> I guess that's the that's the opposite side of it is like, well, I mean, yeah, you, you think about it now because you know you're going to miss them, but you really won't miss them because you won't be existing. It's like, damn, that's a, that's a harsh smack in the face. Like, I mean, it's like, how are you going to know you're going to miss him? Ah, uh, Jesus and the afterlife and that whole thing. Yeah, but if you made it there, don't you feel like there would be a sense of peace? I don't think Jesus and God allows you to take the dread with you to heaven. Because, every, you know, in theory, everybody is going to get there, hopefully, if they live a moral and just life. So it's just a matter of time. It's not necessarily a, uh, it's not necessarily a, uh, you know, Hey, we're going to, we're going to go ahead and head out and that's it. Like, no, I mean, that doesn't happen. Not like that anyway. So anyway, I feel like we've done drive time a good amount of time today. I feel like we've talked about something that's very, um, apt I just hope that 
everybody gets to live the life that they want. And when they look back, they sit here and, and be like Walter, who had a very fulfilling life. We had a very successful family. We had, uh, it was enjoying his life all the way until the day it, it, it ended. And um, I just, I look back on, on the times and troubles of things and I just, I look at it in the sense of if it was a friend that I've known for 20, 40, 50 years, I think there's nothing better than for me to just go up there and, and talk. I wanted to say something at my grandpa's funeral, but I probably end up saying something at my dad's, my father-in-law's funeral, because I feel like I do have the right to sit here and say something about my dad and say, I mean, the first time I ever, I mean, I, I can, I can, I can retell the stories of, of my dad, of dad, of Jimmy, dad, not my, not my biological dad, obviously my biological dad's my dad, but, um, but Jimmy, right. Of, of my father-in-law. I mean, <laughs> me and Lynette had been talking on the phone for a while and I used to call pretty late and I could tell, you know, dad used to be kind of annoyed by that. But first time I ever met him, he comes out the back door with a shotgun in his hand. Cause he just shot a, an armadillo or something like that. And I knew what it was. I was the, the, the classic intimidation, you know, the, the classic, <clears throat> I'm going to, I'm going to show you what's what boy, like that kind of Southern, you know, you take my daughter out kind of shit, which I love, by the way, I, I eat that shit up. Like I love, <laughs> I love the stereotype of it. But, uh, so I walk in, me and Lynette walk in. I've met her mom once or twice already at this point. Um, but I, I met her dad for the first time. And, uh, I, you know, I was like, hi, how's it going? I was like, hey, how are you? You know, I was like, hey, first thing I said, hey, I'm sorry about calling late the other day. He has uh, the smile that I've seen for the rest of my life. That little kind of half smile. Like you got a kick out of what I said. And, and he just goes, yeah, don't let it happen again. Like, and he cocks the gun <laughs> as the ultimate power move. <laughs> I knew. I knew my dad was funny from that point on, right? Like so every everything I did after that was more or less to just try to get a get a get a half smile or a laugh out of him. And more times or not, more times than not, I got the smile. Every now and then I got the laugh. <laughs> Where he would he would smile and he would put his hand up over his mouth because he knew like <laughs> like I shouldn't be laughing at that. But I did get it. And, uh, you know, everybody's got it with that at, at some point, you know. But those are the things that, and I can't repeat most of those jokes. And a lot of them were probably about y'all. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> I just, and most of them were probably, I don't know about y'all. I don't know. <laughs> but dad was a guy who was, he was always going to have, he was always going to have fun. He always had a humor, a sense of humor about him. And, uh, I'm utilizing my father, utilizing, 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 God damn, I can't say that word. I'm sorry. And because I don't have editing equipment and I'm not, you know, this is just speaking from the heart. I ain't going to take that out. Like it, it is what it is. I can't say the word. <laughs> um, like I would, I would, I would say something along the lines of this because, and then I would talk about grandpa, how we're working on a fence with grandpa. Grandpa pissed him off. 
Dad's over here trying to get, it's about to start raining. You could hear the thunderclouds clapping off in the distance. You can smell it in the air. And you know that smell, that fresh scent that rain is coming and you know it's coming. There's a little bit of a breeze that blew in 20 minutes before. So we're, we've got all the signs brewing here. We know what's going to happen. So Grandpa's Kubota, the, the one, you know, his dad is on the left side of the Kubota. Kubota's up against this fence that we're fixing. I'm on the right side kind of holding it and getting it together. And Grandpa's right behind Dad. And Grandpa has this bucket on the back of his on the back of his uh, Kubota, this is the little John Deere Kubota, and uh, Dad's like, "Well, it's about to start raining. We we gotta get a move on." And Grandpa gets pissed off. Grandpa gets pissy. If you if you remember how Grandpa gets, there's only one way, and it's his way. And I mean, it, it really is. Dad Dad has always been very flexible uh, on on most things, and uh, Grandpa is like not one of those guys. Jimmy, I'm wide open, Jimmy. Jimmy, I'm wide open, Jimmy. Pretty much what he's saying is, Jimmy, you ain't going to rush me. I'm going to do things when I want to do it. Like, Jimmy, I'm, I'm, I'm wide open. So, dad goes, well, let's go. Get a <laughs> he, he's sitting there telling this. this old, I mean, by the time Grandpa was, I mean, this age, he was an old man. I'm just looking at and I'm in shock. <laughs> like, he's telling this old man, this old old man. Get your ass moving. Like, let's go. Like, let's go. Like, you old. Like, I'm wide open, Jimmy. He's like, well, let's go. Let's get a move on. Jimmy, I'm wide open. He just, and they, and they were doing this for about a minute. And the, the sad thing was the dad's trying to get more and more pissed off. Like, he's trying to get more frustrated because Grandpa, every time he stays wide open, he stopped talking. He stopped walking. He just stopped. Jimmy, I'm wide open, Jimmy. Like, Jimmy. Jimmy, I'm wide open. I'm wide open, Jimmy. Just <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm wide open means, is that I'm I'm going as full I'm going as full as I can. I'm going as fast as I can. I'm I'm moving at optimal level. It's it's wide open. I, I'm I'm there, right? And Grandpa's going slow as molasses. I mean, he's an older man, and I'm just and I call Dad out on it a little bit. Daddy's an old man. <laughs> like Daddy's an old man. <laughs> And dad's frustration <laughs> went straight into, oh, yeah, he old. Yeah, he's an old man. So he's sitting there bullying and pushing this old man. Grandpa grabs the pile and it, and it falls. <laughs> and, and right after dad goes from, he goes from frustrated to laughing about it. Because I'm sitting here laughing and I'm damn near crying. Kind of like I am now, but... <laughs> he's crying I'm crying laughing because I think this shit is funny I'm watching this like yo grandpa's over here saying Jimmy ain't gonna bully me I ain't gonna do the subtext of it is Jimmy I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it Jimmy I'm 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 just a you gotta tell me what to do I'm your dad you're gonna wait like and dad's like we gotta go you burn in daylight dad was talking bad crap dad was like we're burning daylight. Let's go, Jimmy. I'm wide open, Jimmy. Like they were just arguing back and forth. <laughs> so Grandpa gets to the the bucket, which is behind his capota, which it took him longer to do it because they started bickering and fighting. And then he grabs the stuff, and we're trying to find the nails to to nail in uh, the the line, the the um, barbed wire line. We nail them into the 
So we have uh, tax, or I don't even know what they're called, but they're essentially like things that look like that, and you knock them in. Okay, we said solidify it into the into the wood. So Grandpa probably pulls three of them out, and then the damn near things fall everywhere, and they fall into the ground. So I run up and start picking the shit up, and he's just like, ah. and Dad's response was like, ah, I fucking told you. Like he's just like, ah, I told you. Like I knew this would happen. <laughs> he's like Jimmy I'm wide open Jimmy Jimmy I'm still wide open Jimmy like uh, anyway so me <laughs> dad starts hammering this thing I'll never forget this I will never forget this because afterwards I retell the story it's the part of it where they start bickering is funny but it's the part where I just dad he's an old man dad you talking mad shit to your dad he's old he's an old man like what are you doing and, and I think it's the fact that I was really laughing <laughs> that, that it was uh, that it was so funny, and uh, I'll never forget that about Dad because he would go from being annoyed to finding the humor, and then, and then Grandpa spills the thing, going back to being annoyed, <laughs> like just that that quick. And of course, Dad was so patient. That, you know, that, that's the one thing that Dad has over me. A thousand times is that he's always pay a patient guy, and I'm glad Lynette is like that because I pulled some, I pulled some shit in the past that has just been like, I, you know, what are we doing? Like, yo, like, what are we doing? You know, sir, you need to be on it, and um, I, I'll never forget those two experiences because it's the same, it's the same thing. Like, dad, my first experience with dad, and of course, you know, I asked you know, Lynette to marry me at some point. That was pretty funny. That's about time. You think five years was enough? <laughs> he starts trolling me about it. It's not like it's, it's the juxtaposition between, you know, are you good enough to date my daughter? Are you good enough to be in our lives at the beginning with the shotgun? And it moves into, it's about time because you've been around for a while. And in some ways it was, I want you to stay around. I want you to, I want you to be around. And that was, you know, that's the, that's the piece between, uh, dad that I, um, I'll never forget. That's a part of the eulogy that I'll do. That's the, the I got three stories for y'all. First time I met when I asked him to marry Lynette. And then my favorite story that I've, my favorite experience I've ever had with Graham, with, with, with dad. And I think I'll, I'll set it up that way. It's like, guys, my name is Sabi Hernandez. I was lucky enough to be. Yeah, I think that would be because honestly, when I think of my dad, I think of so many other things. He taught me how to drive a trailer, a tractor. He taught me how to, how to drive a, a trailer with a trailer. He taught me about all kinds of different things. There's so many things that I've taken from him that I just, I just have with me. And I, you know, you can't take him away. I'm never going to give him up. But I just, when I look at it, I think of, of those three things. Like the first time I met him, when I asked him for Lynette's marriage and his response of just like, all right, well, <laughs> anyway, this thing has run long, but I appreciate this. It's been drive time. Appreciate y'all listening. We'll catch you down the road.